Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Kevin Turner, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's 30 years since one of F1's and motorsport's most famous names made its last World Championship start. Now, Damon Hill took his Brabham BT60B to last four laps down in the 1992 Hungarian Grand Prix, which was not really a very fitting way for Brabham to finish its time in F1. During its three decades there, it won 35 World Championship races, which is still good enough for eighth on the all-time list, 39 pole positions and took four drivers' championships and two constructors' titles as well. And I've got a very special guest uh, with me today to talk about Brabham past, present and hopefully future, and that is uh, David Brabham. David, welcome. Welcome to the Autoswap Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, no, uh, great intro too. Yeah, it kind of reminds you how much history there is in, in the name Brabham. Well, that's, I guess, a good place to start, really. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Jack was your father, but also it's a great constructor's name, not just in Formula One, of course. At one time, Brabham was the uh, the largest manufacturer of single-seater racing cars in the world. It's easy to, to, to forget that side of things as well in, you know, Formula Two, Formula Three, Formula uh, Junior, um, and, of course, sports cars. So what, what does, apart from your own family name, of course, what does Brabham the Mark mean to you? Uh, well, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because I'm part of that family, but I look back and see what was achieved, you know, certainly in those 60s, you know, after my dad won two championships with Cooper. He then obviously went on his own in, and started Brabham back in 1962 with obviously Ron Turanek, who, who you know, was the other half of Brabham um, as the founders. And uh, together they not only, as you said, dominated the customer racing 
side of it. Uh, they also won Formula One World Championships and constructors titles. So it was in the 60s, you know, it was there were some big names there, but obviously Brabham at that time was, was one of them. And that sort of laid the foundations for the future. And it's still a little bit sort of mind boggling when you see how much success they had. To mark the anniversary, we're doing a Brabham package in Autosport magazine uh, in the 18th of August this year. And actually, in that, Damien Smith has written a piece that kind of talks about Brabham as two different teams almost. You've got that early era, era that you talk about in the 60s. And then, of course, Bernie Eccleston bought it in 1972. Uh, Gord Murray came on board as the designer, uh, won races during the 70s, and then, of course, won two drivers' titles with, with Nelson Piquet in 1981 and 1983. So sort of two separate periods of success, really. Um, but after that, after it, it, it faded away, and, of course, you, you drove in Formula 1 for the Brabham name as well, but once it faded away, um, you, you've, you've worked hard to bring the name back. So perhaps you could talk us through what, what happened to Brabham sort of after 1992 and how have you gone about sort of bringing it bringing it back to the forefront well you certainly brought back a few painful memories of Sorry when i was that. at Bra- Bra- yeah when i was at brabham in 1990 uh, which is kind of where it all started to go a bit wrong i think um if i go back a little bit further um you know when i when i won the british f3 championship and the world cup uh, I was going to be do F3000 with Damon Hill and then the team got disbanded and obviously Middlebridge at the time had bought Brabham and then eventually they want, wanted me to drive in the F1 team. And, you know, if you look at the year they had before, they had a great little car, they had some great results for a small team and it all sounded all really good. And then, of course, when I got there, it's really when uh, there was a big financial crisis. Um, Japan was hit pretty heavily. The money dried up we weren't really sure if we were going to get to the next race until someone paid for engines it was a bit of a nightmare and of course it it sort of spattered through to 92 as you said when damon was at the hunger ring and you know four laps down and it was a sad state and obviously for me i had a career of 35 years and obviously followed my father's footsteps in terms of you know driving as as well as my brothers and and obviously our children as well but um I kind of felt when I got to about the age of 40 that, you know, in my own career, I thought, well, I've probably got about 10 years. What am I going to do uh, in terms of the future? And I thought, well, okay, we've, we've got this iconic racing name, but we just don't do anything with it. We got a, we, There's a great opportunity here. So I had a chat to my father, and he said he had some trademarks. We kind of looked at it. There was a few gaps, so we decided that we would, you know, sort of strengthen up the – the protection of the of the name Brabham and discovered somebody had registered before us, not long before us, the name Brabham and Brabham Racing in Europe. So we entered into, well, I did, I entered into a sort of legal battle to get the name back under the family control, which took seven years. So 2012 Christmas Day, we had confirmation that the name had finally been transferred back to the family. So I then had to set about now got it now what do i do with it and um you know we tried a few things you know project brabham was one of them um you know trying to get you know the 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 sort of community to get behind the the, uh, a race team in the future and and be much more open and transparent because we kind of felt that that fan engagement was lacking but if you now look at what's happening in today's world a lot of that is now happening 
So I think we, we may have been a bit too early with that. Although the project, project's been on stall, it's not dead. You know, it's still, still something we want to do in the future. Um, but I had to find a different way. And what I thought about was, you know, if you think of the Virgin model here in the UK, you've got Virgin money, Virgin trains, Virgin this, Virgin that. You've got companies utilizing the brand to take it to market or differentiate itself. So what we did is um, we ended up being introduced to a, uh, a PE fund down in, um, in Adelaide where we created Brabham Automotive and it was the start of the new chapter of, of Brabham to carry the legacy forward with a very cool project with the Brabham BT62, which we launched in um, May of uh, 2018. Since then, you know, the, the company has grown and, you know, we're now doing GT2 in, in Europe and with high-class racing under Brabham Automotive Factory Racing. And they are um, starting to win races and the momentum is building. So uh, it's been quite challenging, you know, to start up an automotive business, build a car, take it to market, um, sell it. There's, you know, it's, there's a lot of challenges in the background, but, you know, we're still there. We're still pushing. And, um, you know, that's that's the start of the next phase of, of the brand. Um, that's kind of one project. We've started Brabham Esports now. Uh, we what felt we needed to get into the esports world. Um, we're working with uh, Simply Race out of uh, Milton Keynes, the guys there, helping to put the team together and the drivers. And uh, we're seeing more and more success on track. I'm, I'm getting more involved with talking with the drivers, giving them my experience in the real world to help them in the virtual world. And that seems to be going really well. And um, yeah, we uh, we after having sort of nothing back 10, 15 years ago, you know, there's a lot going on now, which is great. And it's great for the Brabham brand to, to keep pushing forward and actually have a future. Yeah, particularly with the, I think the on-track stuff would be a lot of what the fans kind of respond to. So perhaps could you tell us a little bit more about the, the BT62 and of course the BT63 cars? I mean, how did those, I mean, for, for those that don't know, they're kind of mid-engine supercars, right? That sort of ultimate track day and then a, with, with the race version so how did you first of all how did you decide that that was the sort of thing you wanted to do and then how did you go about you know putting a team together to actually you know design and design and build it yeah i mean the um you know when when we came together that they, they'd already sort of started on the project but they didn't have a brand um and so we i went down to adelaide to have a look and see what they had done and who was involved and um, although it was still early stages, you could certainly see the potential there. Um, so we came together and obviously when the car hit the ground, we, we started to do a lot of testing and development. The surprise is no one really knew what, what that project was all about. They just saw this, this really quick supercar driving around, not knowing what it was. And of course, at that time, we weren't telling anyone that Brabham was involved it were you know we if anyone asked we had a strange story of someone in hong kong wanting a fancy car and we were, we were there testing it you know what i mean it was, we had we had all sorts of things and of course when we launched no one knew what we were doing at all which was which was great cuz it made maximum impact around the world and uh, we launched it as a track car so you know high performance track car that that broke lap records basically um and you know the car weighed under a ton, 1,200 kilos of downforce, uh, 700 horsepower from a Brabham V8, uh, 5.4 liter, 
you know, something that's kind of raw but but unique as well. And uh, when we launched, we had people come to us and say, well, can we put it on the road? Can we race it? So we do have three different variants within the, the BT62, and there are cars out there in the world um, in each of those forms. So uh, we then decided, obviously, to continue to grow the business. We needed to get more into racing, and the GT2 side of it with SRO opened up a, an opportunity for us to have a more bespoke car for that type of series. And, um, you know, I raced it on its debut at Paul Ricard last year with High Class Racing. They bought the car that we did. And then they um, uh, obviously moved into to this year where they've been running pretty competitively. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where, where we're at at the moment. And, of course, it's a big time for sports car and endurance racing generally, isn't it? We've got hypercars coming. Well, they're already here, but we've got some <laughs> some other big names arriving in 2023 with Ferrari and Porsche. They're hypercars, LMH, LMDH. Uh, Le Mans is switching from the uh, what was GT2 and became GTE, is now looking at, a, I guess you'd call it a GT3 plus uh, type scenario. So what's the future for, for Brabham? Like, there are a couple of interesting avenues there that you could pursue. I guess that the BT63 is closer to kind of going down the GT route rather than a, a sports prototype. But what, what would you like to be doing in three, five, ten years' time with, with the brand and, and going racing? Yeah, I think for Brabham Automotive, the ultimate goal, as we said at the very beginning, was to, to race at Le Mans. What what shape and form that might be is is still a bit difficult to tell because you know they're huge programs. You know, for any manufacturer, they are they are huge commitments, huge financial commitments, and you need to be able to be in a position to support that. You know, you, we've got to give time for the company to grow. We see the GT2 as a great opportunity to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, when the company is is ready to support such a program, then, then it will be a case of, you know, what is best for the strategy in the future around future variants because it needs to be relevant to what we're going to put out on the road because ultimately we want to build a road car and have a Brabham out there on the roads, proper, you know, proper homologated road car. But that's, a, that's again, a, it's a massive, massive undertaking financially and resources. So it's step by step, you know, um, and the reality is that uh, it'll take a few years, but uh, the goals still remain the same. And what sort of technology or green technology will you be bringing in? Because obviously motorsport is increasingly, you know, we're talking about hybrids, we're talking about hydrogen, synthetic fuels. Obviously, this Formula E has been around nearly a decade now. Um, so everyone will like the, love, love the sound of the V8. So are you thinking more Sebastian Vettel synthetic fuels or are you thinking hybrid or what, what's your sort of future future path in that, that regard? Well, I think, you know, there, there's no doubt from our side, you know, certainly from, from you know, my my personal view and and lots of people within the group it's you know, Brabham's always been about pioneering thinking so you know that's you know we're talking about the future and what that might look like now I I was 20 plus years ago part of energy efficient motorsport trying to make change in in motorsport back then not many people were really doing it not many people were really listening either um you know, I, I had a chat to the American Le Mans series about how we needed to, um, you know, give prizes out to to teams and manufacturers that were the most efficient 
in the sport. And a couple of years later, the Michelin Green X Challenge was was formed, and, and it did exactly that. So it's it's something that that's very close to me, um, and you know, a lot of it will be come down to regulate uh, regulations because if the series, I think all the series in the future have to adapt and change to these modern uh, technologies that is all about sustainability and rightfully so it needs to Uh, and it needs to not just because as a survival it needs to do it also to help push and advance the technology that will help the everyday user in the future so you know testing platform motorsport is brilliant at isn't it you know it always pushes the technology forward um, and these green technologies, whether it's electric, hybrid, you know, fuels or hydrogen or it may, it may be something else in the future. We don't even know what that may look like. But, you know, it's a change that's happening. It's a change that a few of us were trying to do 20 plus years ago. And it's just fantastic to see, you know, where, the, where that's all headed. Yeah, it's very exciting times, isn't it? Especially if you're an engineer or designer, there are almost so many options and paths to to pursue. Um, there one, is, one I, but I, I think I think that's also the biggest challenge. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, where do you put your resources? What is actually going to work? And I think you know, you know, I've heard I've heard certain manufacturers, you know, we're going electric, and then the realization is actually maybe electric might be part of the solution, but it's not all of the solution. You're going to have to have different options out there. And of course, with each option requires a significant amount of investment. It's just not one channel anymore. There's lots of channels you've got to think about and invest in. So for a company like Brabham Automotive, wanting to go to that next step, there's a lot of big decisions to be made. Um, And it may be better it may be a good thing for us to not be in that position yet to to commit to these kind of programs until the, it settles a bit. But we'll just have to wait and see. A lot could happen and will happen, I'm sure, over the next five years. Um, but one thing I did want to talk to you to get your views on really is that obviously we've not we've not talked about a Formula One project, even though we started with that. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that probably says something more about where Formula One is and the uh, and the budgets, etc. It's very hard to get. You know, new teams and new projects involved, even quite serious ones like the Andretti projects. Uh, yeah, seem to have been struggling. So, what's your, yeah, what's your view from afar, if you like, uh, of the days of? Yeah, I, obviously, motorsport has moved on, but is is Formula One too much of a closed shop? Do you think it's improving with the the moves they've made with the cost cap and all that sort of thing? Like, where where do you think it sits at the moment? You know, we we, we talk about Brabham back in its past being in Formula One and dominating Formula One. So, you know, it, it's, clo- it's close to our hearts and we want to see Formula One become a success and still the pinnacle and, and the leader of technology and putting that onto the track that, that goes onto the road. Um, like we explained, or we talked about earlier, there's a lot of change going on. You know, we talked about the fan aspect. You know, the fans have got much more engaged content now of what's going on the the formula one paddocks opened up and you've seen how things have exploded because of it um you know obviously the netflix scenario around formula one has opened up a whole new audience uh the regulations uh 2026 you know obviously uh, there's there's more regulations coming around that um 
there's a lot of change. Obviously, synthetic fuels are, are going to become more prominent in the future. I think Formula One is still very healthy. Uh, it's a it's pretty much a closed shop in many ways. You know, I think it's for any team, any new team coming in, it's probably near impossible. I think. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I think uh, that the barriers are quite quite high to be able to do that, unless you're a manufacturer. But it sounds like um, you know the big manufacturers aren't really interested in doing something themselves. They want to do it with established teams, which will probably make it even harder for new teams to come in like the Andretti's. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But the, the, the world's been disruptive for quite some time and everyone's having to find a new path and a new way that makes it sustainable for, for the planet, but also for what everybody else is trying to achieve. And you can see that with formula one, it's exciting. I mean, I love watching formula one races. I, I lost a little passion there for a while. Um, but with it, with the rule changes and what happened last year and the year before, you know, the, the competition at the front's pretty fierce. You'd like to see Mercedes get even closer to those battles at the front and they're getting there. Um, you know, I think I think everybody's glued to, to see what's Formula One. Of course, we've also got the driver market scenarios going on at the moment too. I'm tempted to suggest you should offer your services as a strategist to Ferrari, but perhaps uh, perhaps I'm being a bit a bit, <laughs> bit, uh, bit harsh on them there after their recent uh, some of their recent efforts. But uh, look, looking at looking at the let's look back at Le Mans. That's where you want to be. That uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. It's gonna it's it's obviously going. It should be about to be going through a high period. So, do you see yourself maybe going back as a driver? Do you fancy a, fancy sharing a car with say Matt and Sam possibly, or you know, having having a Brabham line up in a Brabham, or or is it more sort of holistic of that and you'll be sort of managing from behind the scenes that's a good question i mean we'll have to see what the future brings really i mean obviously if you know when when i think brabham will be in a position brabham automotive will be in a position to go to le mans uh, um, i might be too old and too slow so that may not work <laughs> i i I put it this way, the way I think about it is I would sit myself in front of myself and interview myself and say, okay, what do you do from a day to day? What, uh, how much exercise are you doing like compared to when you were? How much hunger have you got to to be the best that you had like last time? You know, and, and I pretty much know the answers at the moment. Now, whether that changes down the road, I don't know. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background at the moment. And, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think about being a race drug driver anymore. I haven't really done that for a while. I've ne- I never retired, you know. So, you know, last year I put the helmet back on to race the BT63 because it makes sense, you know. Um, I'll, I'll do something that what I think will benefit the whole, not just benefit myself, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, what 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 could you have lined up next? Could you maybe appear in a historic race in a Brabham? That might be quite a nice. No, I know you've done demonstrations and things. Do you fancy maybe racing one? Yeah, well, I've I, I think you know the more times I've sort of done like Goodwood and we've done some events um, at our office at Bista Heritage, you know, with the scrambles there. Uh, and bought some heritage cars and had a few conversations. I think be, there's a great opportunity for me to get in and actually do a proper test in, in in an old Brabham F2 car. And that would be really cool. And whether I get an opportunity to race them in the future, yeah, I mean, I would love to. My brother Jeff does in America. He's having an absolute blast uh, in a BT35. 
And um, even Matthew has driven against Jeffrey, uh, where I think it was at uh, Cota, there was 11 Brabham cars on the grid, uh, which was pretty, pretty cool to see. And, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff and Matt were on the podium together. So that, that was a great family situation to see all those Brabhams there in a Brabham. And uh, yeah, so there's a kind of romantic story to it, isn't there? Yeah, that's that's very cool. Is there a particular Brabham that you look back on fondly, either from from any era, really? Is there one you look at and you either remember seeing your pictures or remember seeing at the time and think, yeah, that's that. If I had to pick one, that'd be the one I'd like Ooh. to go and go and have a ride around in. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because you know, Brabham cars have produced some pretty stunning vehicles on in Formula One. I think it, it, the, the, I guess the one that kind of sticks out is the Brabham BT52 BMW one from 1983 when Nelson Piquet won the championship. I think that car is such a pretty car with over a thousand horsepower and the back would have been quite quite a beast. And um, yeah, that that would be a pretty cool thing to get in in one of those and see what it could do. That's got a great story as well, hasn't it? The whole problems with BMW and Brabham the year before getting solved and then catching uh, catching Renault up right at the end with their special fuel and all that sort of stuff. It's a, it is a cool, cool story, that one. Yeah, they changed the regulations, didn't they, in terms of going ground to flat, to flat bottom. And uh, there were a massive scramble to, to then build cars with, which had flat bottoms. Yeah, Bernie Eccleston made uh, Gordon crush the two BT51s, I believe, that had already been started. And uh, yeah, so a bit of a bit of a shame there. You'd have thought he'd have tucked one of the way into his Big and Hill collection, wouldn't you? But there we go. Um, well, maybe he has, was, and you don't know. Actually, that that's that's entirely plausible as well. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you can imagine that. Yeah. So, is there is there anything else that you'd like to add about the the Brabham story, either either in the past or or, or moving forward that uh, that we've not covered, David? Oh, look, I mean, look, I think we've pretty much you know covered. Obviously, there are lots of potential opportunities for us as a brand, uh, either with Brabham Automotive or outside of. Brabham Automotive. I'd still love to see Brabham back in Formula One, really. Um, how, how that would be achieved, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we've been approached. I can't tell you how many people have approached us to to say, look, we're going to buy a team. Um, uh, we want a brand, so we need we want to talk to you. And, then, and, of course, when it all started, that started getting busy, I guess, uh, just over 10 years ago, Um you know, you'd get really excited and you think, oh, wow. And then you start, you know, diving in to see how this could, could work. And then, then, you know, the project would fail because the money didn't turn up. So after a while, you kind of knew then to say, well, I'll tell you what, you go and buy an F1 team. And once you've bought an F1 team, then come and talk to me. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, I think the long-term dream would be obviously to, to win Le Mans uh, with a Brabham car and, and see Brabham back in Formula One in some shape or form, but that won't be through Brabham Automotive. That will be through a separate brand activation if that ever, ever came about. Yeah, well, that seems like two very laudable uh, targets and it's fantastic to see where Brabham has come from 
given that you know sort of the name disappeared apart from the historic motorsport of course the name disappeared for those few years so um excellent uh, to have it back and out there racing again um if you'd like to find out more about uh, brabham please take a look at uh, the august 18th issue of autosport magazine we'll also be doing one of my uh, top 10 driver lists as part of our series two of that series so listen in and see what you agree or disagree with uh david am i in that list am i in that list no no i can say that i can say that one of your relatives is definitely in the list is that giving uh, oh brilliant story? okay yeah cool <laughs> yeah rightfully so <laughs> so yeah so we had uh, we had uh, we had damien smith on to um, interrogate the list that i'd come up with so that'll be out uh, that'll be out this week as well so please take a take a look at that um, both in allsport magazine uh, on allsport.com and a podcast where we debate it but um, that leads me to say thank you very much to david bram it's been a pleasure having you on the on the show i hope we can get you back on uh, again soon and thank you the listeners uh, for for tuning in uh, we'll be back soon with another allsport podcast Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.